What is happening, XFL fans? This is XFL Game Day Podcast, presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. You are listening here on iTunes and SoundCloud. Have you subscribed yet? If you haven't subscribed, what's wrong with you? Subscribe while you're down here, and we've got a lot to talk about, folks. We're going to talk about Week 5. We are at the halfway mark of the season. We've got a lot of mid-season awards we're going to talk about here, as well of as well as the always going to be wrong in the end, but we're still going to do them playoff predictions as well as talking about week six. David Hasekin here with Troy Anthony and Scott Churchin. No Alec, uh, no Alex Marinoni today and no Emery Hunt either. He, he was here for the TV recordings. You know, he just, just wanted to bounce. You know, whatever. Mm. It's what it is. He has something, <laughs> something better to do or something. Yeah, there's something about some draft guide. Oh, speaking of which, if you can pick up your NFL draft guide from footballgameplan.com, download it now. It is available. Over 650 players individually broken down with their best game, their worst game, all of their skill attributes broken down there. You can get that at footballgameplan.com. It's where football makes sense, so check that out. And we would be remiss if we said don't forget while you're there to order your copy of the GoGo Offense uh, and make sure you have one of those. They are flying off the shelves. Like hotcakes? Like hotcakes. Like hotcakes. Let's get into a quick review of week number five. Some interesting ball games in this one. Houston knocks off Seattle 32-23. It was a tight one, though. It wasn't exactly an easy game, again, for Houston, but they stay undefeated. They are 5-0, very much in the driver's seat in the West. P.J. Walker goes off again for three more touchdowns and 351 yards passing. New York takes care of Dallas 30-12 on the road. First road win of the year for the Guardians. The defense steps up huge again and continued offensive production from Luis Perez and co. Uh, Defensive struggle in D.C. They go to Jackson, though. D.C. defenders make a quarterback change from Cardell Jones, who we thought two weeks in might have been the MVP of the league. Nope, not so much. They go away from him. Whether that's a permanent solution or not remains to be seen, but they get the win over St. Louis 15-6. Uh, a really big upset there. And then a tale of two halves between L.A. and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay dominates the Wildcats in the first half. Josh Johnson's telling his offensive coordinator to please stop arguing and just call the plays. It worked. They come all the way back. They win 41-34. Uh, Josh Johnson throws for four touchdowns and 288 in that one. Uh, gentlemen, let's go to your game balls. Troy, let's go to you first here. I mean, I got to keep it the same as I've been giving it. You know, I mean, Cam Phillips just keeps putting <laughs> The Cam on. Phillips fan club over here it's in the corner. Cam Phillips train up here. I'm, t- I'm telling you, man, this guy's ridiculous. It's every week he just keeps – I think he only had one week where he had the one catch. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, it's eight, nine, ten catches a game. And this one he goes ten for 122 and two touchdowns. It's just too consistent not to keep giving him the game balls. Scott? He's right on that. Uh, in my case, Josh Johnson. Okay, yeah. I think, you know, we talked about this prior to the show, who's going to go where. But in this case, this was a must-win for both teams. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, it was a tale of two halves. So that second half, I mean, right now, I mean, his game, four touchdowns, one pick. uh, What is it, 288 yards. So it was one of those things that it was necessary at the right time. Yeah, 100%. And obviously was highlight fodder, which I think we're going to get into uh, for some, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. basically <laughs> some yeah. commentary that was made on the sidelines. And uh, with mine, I'm going to go with Reese Horn from Tampa Bay in a losing effort. Nine receptions for 90 yards. Uh, he was a menace. Also, him combined with Jalen Tolliver, who had some big plays for Tampa Bay in that first half. Yeah. Um, really interesting to see how the Vipers you know, come together. I know a lot of people kind of, you know, crap on Cornelius, but three different receivers with over 85 yards receiving in this game was not nearly at all his fault he did throw two picks uh but 
Tampa Bay got the run game shut down, and they had to go to uh, Reese Horn leading the way there. Um, we're at the halfway mark of the season, guys. This yeah. is, is kind of hard to believe. I mean, three months ago we were talking about XFL draft and XFL mm-hmm. training camp, mm-hmm. going through 80-something rounds of drafting there, and all of a sudden now we're at the midway mark of the season. No team is out of playoff contention, really. Only one team is still left undefeated. The parity in the league has been incredible, but, I mean, it's a, we have to talk awards, don't we? I mean, let, let's just talk about it because MVP, a couple of these are going to be, I think, I think we're going to have a lot of consensus on some of these, starting with the MVP conversation because, again, you asked me about this after week two, there's two or three guys that I could say, okay, these guys might be the MVPs of the league. Problem is right now, there's really two guys on the same team, but the only ones that you can really put up there. But yeah. Troy, who do you got as your MVP at, the, at this point of the season? Obviously, five weeks to go, but who is it? At this point, I think it's a, a clear-cut consensus. Pretty much, it has to be PJ Walker. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, the guy leads the league in the passing touchdowns, passing yardage. Uh, I think he's second in passing passer rating, but he's just he's lights out. It's like when when you got a game that's on the line what's the one quarterback in this league that you're going to take? It's going to be P.J. Walker, and he's just getting it done game in and game out. Yeah, and he's hitting 65% of his passes. I mean, 15 touchdowns in five weeks. Yeah. I mean, do the math, folks. That's three touchdowns a game. He's I only had four 15 picks. touchdowns, four picks, right? Four said, picks, yeah, yeah. 15 to four. So it's like the guy's just lighting it up. Now, obviously, they have an offensive style that plays to that. But, Scott, do you, uh, do you agree with this I, assessment? I don't think I, I don't think you can't disagree with that yeah you know i mean right now 1300 yards 300 yards almost above even obviously the number two person in this case josh johnson we talked about but i think the way that the team is winning not so much on the defense although the defense has gotten better i think it's been winning on the offensive side and yeah. that is obviously the field general as they call the, uh, the yeah. quarterback starts with him now in this case you mentioned cam phillips before he is obviously the go-to guy he has been, but even in cases where he has had the one reception, there was other players that were opening up. So it's not just limited to one person. You know, I mean, I almost want to make like a, re- a Madden reference here, where you have the quarterback, and you usually typically go, you usually run that one play over and over, that <laughs> over, out <laughs> ten yard know, out route, ten, ten, ten yard out route, whatever it is. You know, <laughs> that one thing over and over. But you have, but in his case, I, he's turned heads. Yes. You know, and I think the biggest yes. thing is in the league like this. If the NFL scouts are basically coming to your games, then obviously you're doing something right. Yes. And yeah. where are the NFL scouts? If they're going to pick one person right now. Where are they looking? Yeah. And you kind of got to throw an asterisk, asterisk, asterisk on yes. this as well, because what does what does MVP mean? It normally it's supposed to mean most valuable player, but when it comes to football, it's it's quarterback. It's mm-hmm. best quarterback sure. on the best team, pretty much. Pretty much. Well, see, here's what I'm going to like. I'm gonna. If there's ever an agreement between you two, I'm gonna play devil's advocate just for the fact of <laughs> entertainment. I'm gonna give you three other options that I think are viable MVP candidates based on what they do for the team. And number one is Cam Phillips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy isn't. He's got nine of the 13 touchdowns. The dude's an absolute burner of the 15 touchdowns. Excuse me. Uh, 455 yards receiving on 31 catches in five games. Again, talk about guys that are gonna get an NFL contract. Cam Phillips is one of them. Yeah. He's not yeah. gonna be a, a practice squad guy either. He's making the roster. The question is where. Um, my second guy that I'm going to talk about is Josh Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I, I'm sorry to cut you off here, yeah. but when I was doing my research earlier as to stats around the league and everything else, Josh, I really wanted to make the push for Josh Johnson. It was just P.J. Walker is 
so right. far ahead of everybody mm-hmm. else. But you look at Josh Johnson's numbers, and I think I believe he's second in the league in passing. Yep. He's second in passing touchdowns with 11 touchdowns, right? 11 touchdowns, 11 touchdowns yeah. to only two interceptions. Yep. And mind you, he missed the first game of the season as That's well. <laughs> he has all these the stats, and he missed the first game of the season. So I know where you're going with this already. It was, it was, it was in the back of my head. Yeah, because you look at what the L.A. Wildcats were in week one. Now, obviously, there was all sorts of turmoil there because Pepper Johnson got fired. We talked about that mm-hmm. last week. Yeah. When Josh Johnson got into a groove midway through game number two, you looked at this L.A. team, forget about their record all, for a second. Holy crap, mm-hmm. this team can actually really play. I mean, he was finding receivers all over the yard, and he has just made such a difference to this team. Um, I mean, he's got targets like McBride, Spruce, uh, Smallwood had a great game last week. He was He's really open eyes because he's a big, bigger frame guy with a lot of speed. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you got to throw him into this conversation. The last guy I'm going to go to is Jordan Tamu. Mm. Who's the most valuable player to the team? And again, you're right. It's going to be a quarterback. We know it's going to be a quarterback. Jordan Thomas is right there. The way he's a dual threat guy. Yeah, he's learning, uh, yeah, okay, people are going to be like, oh, you're just going down the list of stats. They're the best players. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you're they're, going the leaders, one, they're the leaders for a reason. You're going one, two, and three in passing yards. Okay. Yeah, but you got to <laughs> show me how that difference in the NFL. Especially with Tayamo, Te- you got to look at um, his rushing, his rushing yards mm-hmm. as well. I believe he has 217 yards rushing. So if you yep. equivalent that, add that to his passing yards, that would put him ahead of Johnson and yeah. just just shy of PJ Walker. Exactly, and he he's like, and there are both of those guys are dual threat quarterbacks as well. Not as much with PJ Walker. You see it a little bit more. Uh, from Josh Johnson, but even there, it's kind of questionable. But Talmud's been the only guy that's been there really from the start to the finish, besides PJ Walker. You know, you've had quarterback changes in New York, you had it in Seattle, yeah. you've got it everywhere else. Talmud's been the one consistency. And now, obviously, St. Louis has had a couple tough losses. Now they're at three and two, but without Talmud, this team is like really solid defense. Well, if I'm I, I'm but, just doing this really quick in my head, I think that St. Louis and Houston are the only two teams who have only played one quarterback, right? I believe so, yeah. I think Every so. Every team has at least had two. Because New York's made made the change from McGloin got hurt. Now they're with Perez, and it looks like Perez, is. I think, has taken over that job. Looks I think like it's it. his. Tampa Bay's mostly had Cornelius. Tampa Bay has mostly well, gone to Cornelius. started Murray week one. Yeah, started with Murray. Yeah. What happened to him? He's completely That's gone. Right. Yeah. Uh, we all know the flower situation. He was gone two weeks ago. Last week he comes back, and he's a, he's a wildcat running back, whatever he is there. Um, Dallas has had the injury to Landry Jones. Mm-hmm. DC made the switch this week away mm-hmm. from Cardell Jones. Um, and, and Seattle. And LA. Yeah. Who, uh, Josh Johnson didn't start week one, but it started from week two on. Yeah, so, yeah those are the only two teams who have had the same quarterback every down. Pretty yeah, much. pretty much. And, and I think they, they've shown themselves to be – I think Te'amu will get another look in the NFL. I don't know if he's guaranteed a spot, though, unlike what P.J. Walker is. Like Again, the MVP, the MVP and the top few guys in this league – are going back to the NFL probably at the end of the season. Let's let's be perfectly <laughs> frank here, um, and I think he's up there. But in turn, there there are some other options. And as we've seen from Cardell Jones's play, you can go from MVP in two weeks to <laughs> eh, I don't bench. think we're, I don't think we're going to go to you anymore. Let's go into the offensive player of the year because again, this one you can see it, you know, shifting around a little bit more from position to position. But who do you, who do you have for this one, guys? I mean, if you're not gonna, okay, we have to we have to set the precedent here. You can't give. MVP. We're not doubling up. Yeah, you can't. We're double not doubling up. up. Okay, that's fine. Fair enough. Fair so, enough. So, not doubling up here. Um, offensive player of the year, Cam Phillips. 
Gotta yeah. be Cam Phillips. I mean, uh, I don't have the stats right in front of me, but I think it was the 31 receptions. No? Yeah, 31. 31 uh, catches, 455 yards, nine touchdowns. Nine touchdowns. Nine touchdowns. <laughs> the next closest I know is Parm from Dallas with four. And is it McBride, McBride with four as well? Yeah. Those are the next two closest in touchdowns. Yeah. So, I mean, once again, I, I think it's a clean clean sweep with you have to go with Cam Phillips. Un- unless you want to argue one of the quarterbacks that we discussed for MVP. True. Scott? Just for the – he's like, Scott? <laughs> are you going to disagree with us now? You know what? I, I, it's, like I said, it's hard to, but just for the sake of argument, we've been talking about Josh Johnson. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, yeah. you missed me one. In this particular case, you know, he's got the two wins have come through him. Yes. You know, um, they have a chance because of, I think, him. Yes. You know, again, it remains to be seen what's, what's going to happen now midway point, see what happens there. But the team has a different dynamic. I mean, you. There's I, an energy, there's an aura a, around yeah. them. I, I, I stopped short of saying it's a similar energy to like Luis Perez and uh, the Guardians. Yeah. Who's not obviously at the same level as Josh Johnson. I'm not, I'm not trying to compare true, the two. True. But there's a vibrancy and there's a persona that comes in and a reinvigoration yeah. that I think is there. Yes. And I think that comes down to a lot of it from that perspective. Now, what happened on the sidelines, will that play a factor? I don't know. It seemed to, it seemed to help more than hinder. It, it did, but I, <laughs> you know, it, it reminds me of a phrase, you know, either all-time great head coach or all-time great cheater head coach. Uh, Bill Belichick. <laughs> Had a Here we go. Nope. We're stirring nice. the pot. No, listen. Nice. It depends. On, it depends on your perspective. True. You know, uh, he had a great quote. He said, "Never put your teammates in a position where they have to answer questions for you." Will this be something that forces them to answer questions? Because now there's a bit, there could be not going to be a divide, but he called out Norm Chow on national television. True, but I, I think the fact that they won, and, and, and which granted, and, winning does change a lot of them. And the, and the fact that this happened before halftime, you don't know what happened after halftime. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing. To I know, but here. that's but these are still human it, beings. It's still human beings, and it's still on national television. Yes. in front of the public at a nine o'clock start, by the way, which I thought was really you know yeah a little a little odd yeah, little, yeah especially they're, they're, when you have an East Coast team times. especially when yeah. you have an East Coast team on a fr- on a Sunday night yeah, yeah the, the 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 XFL is definitely as you can see over the past few weeks they're playing with their times here yeah they really are because they went from the the two o'clock starts to the the three, the three o'clock starts four and then four yeah then they're, they're trying to yeah. like There's let's a- creep into prime time you know <laughs> let's keep going mm-hmm. but no I, I think I think you're you're right with with Josh Johnson I, mean, <laughs> I think there's no doubt that he's made yeah. the impact I'm gonna make a, a a plea here, though, for a Tampa Bay Vipers player to win an award. Okay. So <laughs> bear with me I, I here. I suspect I know where you're going with this, but okay. Devion Smith. Yeah. Got to yeah. be. I mean, like, yeah. and, and again, this is all based on the the change that they've made in terms of their, you know, how they run this offense. Because we saw it week one live. It was a pass-first offense in the first week, two weeks of the season. Murray goes hurt. They go to Cornelius. I, to their credit, they have realized, okay, Cornelius is not – the best quarterback in this league. He's not going to be, a, although he did throw for 300 yards in his last game, but it's gone to the running attack. And Jacquez Patrick has to be in here, involved in here too. But what Davion Smith is doing, he is just a nightmare to defend against. Um, if Dallas had won a few more games, I would go with Cameron Artis Payne in this category. And just to show the slums of the tight end position, Donald Parm. Parm, yeah, mm-hmm. Parm. I, I was just going to say it's 6'8 tight end. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's putting up numbers. He's putting up yeah. numbers, and he has wheels on him at 6'8. He definitely does. But if, if, it was, if I had to go with anybody other than Cam Phillips or Josh Johnson, I probably would have went next three, Te'amu, uh, Parm, or McBride. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. no, for sure. And by the way, the Patriots say they were looking at the trade block for uh, tight ends recently. <laughs> you might have one here that you could probably get for relatively. Yeah. He's got he's got a physique similar to Gronk. <sighs> you said it, I didn't. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the defensive player of the year now. Now this is where there's certainly room for debate because there one one thing I will say about this league, the defense is miles ahead of the AAF. I mean, miles ahead. Like there's actually some really good defensive performances that are being put together by these teams but then you come down to okay which one and it's this is where it's always been a conjecture so i'm gonna lead this off with demarquis gates from houston i think try this dull troys no no you're good. <laughs> you're good. I, have, I have multiple like you said this defense is all over the place you can choose a lot of different people but at the linebacker position he's been literally everywhere he's contributing with sacks tackles for loss interceptions forced fumbles mm-hmm. fumble recoveries not to mention he's like eighth in terms of total tackles the dude is everywhere yeah. i mean everywhere and you see that with a lot of the linebackers in this league there are guys that are just so versatile which you don't often see sometimes in the nfl level but gates for me has been outstanding there's a couple other guys that i could think of but i'll wait until you guys say yours first but for, him, for me, he's up there in the running. What do you got, Troy? No, Yeah, Gates is definitely one of the strongest uh, players in the, in the XFL that you can make that case for stats across the board. When you when you look at all the stats, QB hits, passes, defense, uh, interceptions, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, all of it, and to have a tick in every single category, <laughs> yeah, that, that's saying something. One. Yeah, that's saying something. But my guy, um, since Gates is taken – I have to go with Will Hill, the safety for the Battlehawks. Now, the Battlehawks have arguably the most complete team, one of the best defenses in the league. And Will Hill, former former NFL player. We've talked about him a lot. Yeah, Because he's setting a precedent. Yeah, he is. I mean, 33 tackles, 27 of those are solo, six with assists. To get three QB hits and four tackles for losses from the safety position – Two pass defense and two interceptions. This guy's all over the field at all times, flying. He's around the ball 24-7. He's going to be in the mix. He has to be in that. And and as we've said before, he is the model of what the XFL can get a leg up on in terms of the NFL and getting players in. Like, this guy's all Big 12 safety. Like, the Big 12, the passing offenses he has seen, this is nothing. This is nothing to him. Like, he's been outstanding all over D1. So... I mean, he's got to be in that mix. Scott, who do you have for this? I was going to probably go hometown in this one. Hmm? Kevin Walker. Yeah. You know, I mean, the five, <laughs> I mean, okay, the five sacks part okay, of it. Okay. What's that? I said, okay, okay. okay. You approve? Is that all right? No, I do. <laughs> is it all right if I go with that one? Is that, you, you, is that okay? I don't know. I give you, I give you Kevin. Okay. <laughs> he, he, the last couple of weeks, too, he has been outstanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think in this case here, leading the leagues in sacks obviously is a big part of it, but it centers a dynamic around the entire team, which I, which I think is going to be a huge thing coming up right now against Houston. Yes. You know, that's we're going to talk about that later, and I'm looking forward to that game big time yeah. when the time comes. But it sets a precedent because this team right now has only given up nine touchdowns all season. I believe the number Quietly. Yeah. Quietly, yes. Yeah. Quietly. They're second in the league on that. And it sets that when you have an unpredictability on a defense. When you don't know how they're going to play, what they're going to do. True. You know, I remember we were talking about the uh, the LA game. They kept passing the ball over and over. Defenses know what to expect. Yeah. You know, and I think in his particular case, that sets, like I said, sets a precedent of unpredictability. 
Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I want to uh, apologize as well. Uh, Will Hill was in the SEC uh, at Florida, so that's my mistake. Um, but you talk about that. I mean, the defensive front, especially for New York, you could take any of these guys on this defense. Like, there, there are yep. certain teams that you look at. The, if you look at the general stats, you go to XFL.com. They do have now full sortable uh, stats, which is good to see. But you see St. Louis, St. Louis, St. Louis, D.C., 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 <laughs> New York, New York, New York. Um but guys like Ben Heaney has been have been excellent this year. Steven Johnson in Seattle has been mm-hmm. excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ahmad Dixon looked has looked really good for LA. Ahmad Dixon was actually my player of the game when uh, when we covered the Guardians LA game last week. Mm-hmm. So it, it, they're defensively. It's interesting that there are more, almost more standouts on the defensive side of the ball coming out of this league than the offensive side of the ball. Which I, I find that really interesting because usually. Who who's gonna you know jump off the page? Is the quarterbacks? Is the receivers? Mm-hmm. Not so much in this league. It's kind of all over the place. No, I I agree with that. I chalked that up to one of our conversations that we had either last week or the week before, where to click on defense to have it all all cylinders firing on defense is a little bit easier than it is on offense. Yeah. Because defense, it's like okay, this is what I have to do. This is my read. Offense takes a lot. Of a lot of chemistry. I'm not saying defense doesn't, but offense takes a lot of chemistry between that front five, yes, the the quarterbacks and the and the uh, receivers, the running back and that front five. It just takes a lot more for the offense to gel quicker mm-hmm. than it does for True. the defense. But the Kayvon Walker pick, I really like that. This is a guy who I believe he also leads the league in tackles for losses with nine. Yeah, I think if so. I remember correctly. Yep. No, 100. percent And again, the defensive linemen never get the love. It's the safety. <laughs> no, they don't. It's the corner. It's, it's the, the linebackers. Position, yeah. No, the line lineman. No respect. No mm-hmm. respect. I tell you. Uh, let's get into Thank the. You, co- Rodney. Yeah, well, <laughs> my poor, very poor impression of a Rodney Dangerfield. I got it anyway. Oh, whatever. Uh, Scott, let's go to you next for this last award here. And we're going to talk Coach of the Year now. Again, is it a layup? You could argue it's a layup, but is it? Because I think that you could argue that there have been some coaches that have made some really nice adjustments. And have gotten their team back to winning ways. <laughs> you you seem to be struggling. I don't know. I don't seems know. Like it's a it's a tougher pick than it seems. You know it is, and it's not. Um, I mean, I don't know. <sighs> <laughs> this is great. This is. I mean, did, did you go with the easy pick of June Jones? I mean, it's hard to not. It, it's hard to not pick against. Yeah, June I know. Jones you know. You point. know what it is. But, but here's. I guess this is my take a little bit. We keep going back to the same old route of. What's Houston doing? What's Houston doing? Yeah. And, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you still have to because an undefeated record is an undefeated mm-hmm. record. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I mean, there's some certain areas, they're showing a couple of chinks in the proverbial armor that way. Yes. You know, last couple of weeks have been more of a struggle. But I think right now you got to, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to have some fun, you could say Jim Zorn. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> Troy, do you, do you agree with this mm. take? or? Um. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Absolutely. You know. How do you go against the undefeated record um, with June Jones and what he's doing with that offense? I mean, using P.J. Walker the way he does, the stats that they're putting up, it's crazy. But to not to not pick off of Scott here, um, you can make an argument for a Winston Moss in L.A., mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially what they're doing uh, with Josh, what Josh Johnson is doing. You can make the argument for Hayes in St. Louis. Um, like yes. I said earlier, arguably – or most the most complete team, um, with Teamu being able to use his le- using Teamu with his legs and yeah. with his arm, the offensive game. I I, I think any one of those three uh, coaches, if you choose, you wouldn't be wrong. 
See, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna change things up completely. I think you gotta make an argument for for Pep Hamilton, DC. Mm. This is the only guy that had no previous head coaching experience, out of any of the and eight tied coaches. For tied for first. Yeah. Younger guy. Again, a lot of these a lot of these coaches. Again, age should not be a discriminating factor, but they're stuck in the old style of offense. We kind of saw that with Coach Gilbride a little bit, where he you know didn't have a full understanding, let's say, of how to effectively use the RPO. That sort of thing. Whereas, you know, Pep is he's worked in NFL roles before with, you know, the Jets, with Chicago, Indianapolis. He was, you know, at University of Michigan. That's where he was before. Uh, Stanford. He's been all over the place, but never got that shot as to being a head coach. And he's gotten it. And yeah, there have been some struggles, but every team in this league, except for Houston, has had struggles. And he's come back nicely. He's been able to make some changes on the fly. We saw him make you know, last-minute trades and then, you know, making a quarterback switch last week and got him a win. Defensively, I think they've been sound. Um, I think you can make an argument for Pep Hamilton, honestly, to be the coach of the year. Uh, obviously, undefeated is undefeated. And, you know, you got to give June Jones the credit. But I, th- I think there's at least four candidates right now that are viable mm. at this rate. You fooled me here. I thought that you were going to go Tressman. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> We're sorry, Tampa Bay fans, if you're listening. <laughs> we have a Tampa Bay – we have a former – what do you call yourself? Tampa Bayites? Uh, t- ba- Tampaian. Tampa Bayans? Tam- Tam- you know. Do we have a, we have is a fellow – Is that like what you say or is that like the actual – That's term? what I'm going to call it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm loyal to it down there. I mean – Tampa Bayites? I don't know. <laughs> you, saw, you, know you see dolphins just swimming in the water. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, fair enough, fair yeah, enough. But, uh, but it, it, I think there's certainly – you know, if, if you're going to go – I will say this, though. The Tampa Bay Vipers have impressed me the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they're not getting the actual W, but they're you can't argue harder. that yeah. they're playing a lot harder. They've made major adjustments to their offensive strategy. They've certainly looked a whole lot better than what we saw week one. No, so you've yeah, got to give Tressman the, the credit for that. 100%. But you still blew a lead last week. <laughs> I'm a, sorry. You have to you have A to huge lead and a tale of two halves. That game was nuts. Like I said, you have to you know acknowledge that. Yes. No, 100%. I'm, Trust me. And also, I'm not and also be like, I believe there's also a kickoff off the face, too, if you recall. <laughs> Forget who the player was in this case, but there was a kickoff that literally bounced off the dude's noggin. Uh, it, it, it's, mm. it's the XFL, folks. But now we get into the real meat of the conversation here. We've got five weeks left. Five weeks down, five weeks to go. Only one <laughs> team still has a zero in either the win or the loss column, and that is Houston. Now the question is, who is going to be making the postseason because again this is something we talked about on the xfl uh game day show which you can watch at 6 30 on the game plus network check your local listings but we talked about i talked about the parody of this league how even it has been and we started talking about that last week as well with how everybody kind of started with the same slate same open draft pattern everybody can get who they want to get but you've got a three-way tie in the east three teams at three and two tampa bay has looked so much better over the last couple of weeks they're Still one of four, but they're catching. Houston's at five and zero. Oh. You got two, two and three teams in Dallas and L.A., and Seattle's just made a change at quarterback with B.J. Daniels, who certainly looks better. Time to put our foots in our mouths, gentlemen. Who is making the postseason at this point? I think you, I think we can all assume Houston's making. That's an e- there's two. I think there's two easy, too difficult. Okay. Uh, well, uh, now I'm intrigued. Before, <laughs> before we dive into this, I just want to set side note here. I love the way that the XFL laid out this schedule to where everybody okay so the games the the 10 game slate 
There's four people in each conference. Your first three games are against your conference foes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Your next four games are against the other conference. Yes. And then your last three games are against conference foes. Yeah. I love the way they mm-hmm. set that out because the last three weeks is going to be extremely pivotal for every single team. You got to get all, you got to get out of the blocks fast mm-hmm. and start well, but then you also have to be able to close out the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- it's going to be a wild finish, I think, for all of these teams because you got you got three games, three important divisional mm-hmm. game or conference games, however you want to refer to them, whether divisions or conference, whatever. The thing, it, the thing, <laughs> the thing. But yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be big for both sides of for the East and the West. Those last three games, and in this particular case because it is only 10 games 60 percent of your games are literally inside your own conference mm-hmm. yeah unlike the nfl which is what 37 percent or however the math works whatever out. it is six, yeah six out of you know there's 10 that aren't here you know like i said you got 60 percent of your your your, your schedule yeah against the teams in your in your conference yeah. and that makes it so much more vital i'm sorry go ahead and it and also leads to a whole lot more rivalry too you mm. talk about the old days in the nhl when they had just six teams constantly <laughs> playing each other there were some long memories. Is it the, what's the phrase? Uh, numbers taken, memories long. <laughs> You're going to start to see that too once you get into the last half of the season. And the next time New York faces off against Tampa Bay, we know what happened in the first one. Yeah. <laughs> it's been uh, New York's been actually kind of getting a laundry list of enemies as they gone through the season. But again, let's get through who the t- two teams are. Again, two teams from each conference getting in. I think we can all agree on Houston. Yeah. Can we all? Can we all yeah. relatively it's, safely say this? And I yes, think barring something completely unseen. Yes. So, and by the way, I am running these down because we will refer to these, <laughs> and you will be held accountable, just as the XFL. As you're calling calling us out on this. Just as the XFL has held their officials accountable. By the way, we can talk about that yeah. just yeah. briefly. Yes. Saying, "Hey, we screwed it up, and the guy who did screw it up is being reassigned." Thank you, XFL, for finally getting some <laughs> accountability for officiating. But that's another subject for a different week. Back into the playoff predictions. Who's the other team? coming out of the West. If it's Houston and... Anyone want to be brave LA. and make a prediction? Yeah, I go, LA. I go L.A. Yeah, you yeah. got to go L.A. Going both they're, going they're, L.A. Like, okay. You know, in this case here, they're on the rise. There's a lot of confidence in there. And I think right now, my opinion personally, the 1-4 teams are out. I think Seattle. I really? Think, I think Seattle and I think Tampa. Giving have, up on your Tampa Bay Vipers. I know, I know. I'm, <laughs> you are a terrible, terrible Tampa... Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay and Dude, I don't even know. See, exactly. <laughs> this is how bad you are. Yeah, exactly. I suck at that. But uh, I think, like I said, I think it's too big of a, uh, a hill to, over, to overcome. I think they can still have a decent record or at least start to turn it around and be better than one and four. But I think it's too big of a hill to climb. But in my case, and I think you and I will agree on this, there's a lot of momentum in L.A. right now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I will also give the most badass – head coach of the year to Winston Moss, you know, because <laughs> not even flinching when he got Gatorade on that first game, you know. And some Chilling the, on the bench at another game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who, who was, by the way, can we give a shout out to, um, oh, I'm forgetting the name, the g- coach who broke his leg in week yeah. two, who's been, because he's still <laughs> continuing on, he's just now been relieved. He's coached three weeks in a row on a broken leg. I feel like, Del- like I'm sorry. I, I could think I could think of references right now to <laughs> a certain Madden video. <laughs> Broke his leg. <laughs> Put the league on my back, though. Put the league on my back, though. <laughs> but, but, um, Greg Jim- No, it's a different video. Greg Jammings. <laughs> um, anyway, so, no, L.A. certainly got – I mean, Winston Moss has certainly been an excellent leader there. Mm-hmm. And, again, 
knew to make a call to fire his defensive coordinator after one week. Yeah. <laughs> you won't see that in the NFL anywhere. I mean, this is like he's certainly made the adjustment. 18 touchdowns scored in five weeks. Mm-hmm. They can they can put up the points. I think that's why you got to have so much optimism around this L.A. team. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, between L.A. and Dallas, for me, it comes down to the quarterback play. And Josh Johnson, I'm taking Josh Johnson over mm-hmm. whoever Dallas is going to throw out there, whether it's <laughs> it's chaotic know, over there. Yeah, no, no matter who it is, I'm taking them. And like you said, LA is on the rise. And Winston Moss, it just he seemed after he had uh, the talk in the press conference after the Guardians game um, with how he addressed the locker room and the guys what they talked about in the locker room. Scott, you know. First-hand, um, yes. <laughs> and I have a feeling just, there may have been a nod in my direction in that first half. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. say anything. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, i got to go with L.A. out of the West. So Houston is the one seed and L.A. is the two. Uh, you said that the one in four teams you feel are out of it and it's too much <sighs> of a think, hill to I think, climb. I, I, I mean, I think it will be easier. Let me not use the word easier. I think Seattle has a better chance at climbing it than yes. Tampa Bay. Agreed. Definitely. After making the change to B.J. Daniels, you see the, the, the difference in their offense. But I still think that L.A. gets that number two spot in the West. Mm-hmm. See, I think with Tampa Bay and Seattle, I, I think there very much is – it's just a question of finishing the game in the second half. Because you look at what Tampa Bay's done after week two, mm-hmm. they've been excellent and only gotten one win out of it. You look at what Seattle's done since they went to B.J. Daniels, they've been excellent. Mm-hmm. Can't stop anybody in the fourth quarter. Yeah, That's an issue. Like Tampa Bay's on a cusp here. They really are. They're they could like, make a run here. They can. They can. They're, they're teetering right now. It's like you see the potential. You see the potential. If maybe one or two more plays go their way during the game, yes. it turns into dubs instead of L's. But they're, they're teetering right now, and they, they need something just to tip the scale. In yeah. your opinion, do you think a 5-5 five and five record can get you in the, in the playoffs? Six and four, I'll buy that. Two weeks ago, I I would have said no. I can see five and five possibly getting you in because, like I said, these last three weeks, these teams are going to beat up on each other. Mm. So, I mean, you got two more, five games left. That means that these teams, some of these teams only win two more games. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Mm. It, it's gonna, it's gonna be but tough. it's going to be tough with this with them playing each other the last three weeks of the, yeah. of the season. I, I think the other thing with Dallas too, only team without a win at home, mm. only team without a win at home, and that hurts. And but maybe that's another case for don't play football in stadiums that are not meant for football. Yeah, stop, maybe stop playing in baseball stadiums. Maybe that five and five <laughs> record gets you to the playoffs in the West, but five and five isn't going to get you to the playoffs no. in the East. Well, let's talk about that East because. This is where it gets intriguing. I'm, by the way, I'm agreeing with you. I think L.A. does get the second seed in the Western Conference, but just barely, um, I think, over Seattle. I think Seattle will mm. finish third. I think Dallas is going to fall like a stone here. The East is weird because D.C., after two weeks, we were talking about them being the most unstoppable team. Yep. They were the most complete team. Then they get pretty much shut out two weeks in a row. St. Louis, the most complete team pretty much in general, but now they've lost a couple in tight ball games, and the Guardians have now gone to Luis Perez, and they've started to find a rhythm there. All three of these teams are at 3-2, and two, and then you sit with Tampa Bay, who are technically just two games back, have really started to find a rhythm. They've tied with the, with St. Louis for the most touchdowns scored in the East. What's going on here? Because I don't think this is going to be... you got to look very, very deep into the crystal ball here to figure out who's going to make it out of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, this the obviously the, the Eastern Conference looks a little bit more competitive than the Western if you're just basing it off of records. But this is tough because those those three those, 
blah, what am I saying here? Words are hard. <laughs> Those three defenses in the East, the Defenders, the Battlehawks, and the Guardians, I would say are the top three defenses in no, in no particular order in the league. Yes. Yeah, I can agree with that for sure. So, I mean, and when you look at these offenses, D.C., you thought that they were the juggernauts week one and two, then they lose a few – now they don't have. They didn't start Cardell. Now that offense looked like it was clicking again. Yeah. So like you don't yeah. know what you're getting yet. St. Louis's offense is still what it is with Tayamu running the helm, and but teams are starting to figure them out a little bit. They, a little bit, yeah. But that running game still looks like to be yes. like it's unstoppable. Like Tayamu this past week didn't really get anything going on the ground, but Matt Jones and company did. Yes. So I mean that running game is still solid. They're still getting yardage, and for the Guardians, the running game has been there the past couple of weeks when they've been pulling out these wins, and with the switch. Perez now looking like he's getting more comfortable in that offense, getting that chemistry. If that offense complements what the Guardians' defense can do, I mean, second on the allowed touchdown so far this season, um, if that offense can complement that defense, uh, the Guardians can can make some noise. And Perez is finally starting to use those wide receivers that were just being neglected uh, in the first few weeks of the season. McKay has had better weeks. You've seen – um, guys up and down. The Pearson's had a better couple weeks, so it'll be interesting there. But it, it, and Scott, they still have two big time receivers who have been on IR this whole season. So yeah, far. yeah, exactly. So it, it's there's so many different ways. And again, there's no definitive line of okay, this team's going down, this team's going on, you know, upward trajectory. The more you know, it's more of just a total roller coaster here. And you got five weeks to try to figure it out. Scott, do you have any premonitions on this thing? Or? I, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> My opinion, St. Louis wins the division. Okay. I, I, I just right now I just think just my gut's telling me that. But as far as the wild card, wow. I mean, <laughs> there's something to be said about DC at home. You know, DC at home is a different animal than DC on the road. You know, I mean, here's here's the here's the thing. As I'm looking at the stats right now, it's their east-west travel that's been hurting them. Yes, I mean, there you go, Alex. DC, <laughs> DC has the power of beer snake. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I, I love. Beer. I had to. Explain. Can we make that their own mascot? By the way, can Why they not? make that a Dude. giant beer snake mascot? Dude, the, That's funny. They got the mascot. You know, literally bowing his head to beer snake. <laughs> but you know, I had to explain to my wife the other day what beer snake was. Because she, you know, cause I sent a picture. It's like you know, they got beer snake. It's like what's beer snake? Imagine this being the factor that gets DC into the playoffs. But see, like I said, that's that's a twelfth man thing. Yeah, that's a huge twelfth man thing. But. They have only two games at oh at home left. Yes. Uh, New York has three. True. So does that play as the St. Louis? As the St. Louis, yes. But I mean, well, St. Louis, I already said basically. I think they're going to take the division. I right. think they're just stronger. But I think the way that this is going, DC to me is a little bit up and down. You know, they you know they won two, lost two, won this one. I see New York is starting to pick up pace a little bit. You know, Perez, we've talked out infinitum about him, and. I think this weekend is going to be a monster test. Yes. I, wow. I mean, I would not. We'll talk about it later. I'll give it yeah. right now. I would not put it past them to possibly win this weekend. Though. You talk about it too because DC, St. Louis, and New York all undefeated at home. <clears throat> DC is the only team outside of Tampa Bay in the East that is yet to win on the road. Mm-hmm. So that is your question mark. If that's your measuring stick, and if we're saying five and five doesn't get you in in the East, DC is going to have to break. <laughs> that hoodoo and get a win on the road if they're going to make it into the postseason so you've already gotten st louis as number one do you have a favorite at this point troy 
<laughs> or do you want me to tough. bail you out? No, if, if I mean, if I have to choose the number one, it's going to be St. Louis. They Like I've been saying for the 40 minutes so far. How long have we been doing this so far? They look, they look to be the most complete team in, in the league, uh, offensive and defensively. And, uh, yeah, so of, of those four teams in the East, I got to put them at number one. That number two seed is tricky. It definitely is tricky because from the Guardian standpoint, Yes, like I said, they have that stout defense, but the offense is still finding its rhythm mm-hmm. through the running game over the past few weeks, through the quarterback situation. Who, When McGloin is fully healthy, is he going to go back to McGloin? Is he going to stick with Perez? If he does stick with Perez, he looks like he's getting better. He's working his way through this offense. But from D.C. standpoint, we know that that defense is stout as well. They bench Cardell, pull out the dub against the Battle Hawks, mm-hmm. who quote-unquote are the most – complete team like i said it's just very tough so i feel as if the number two seed is really up in the air right now but if i gotta choose one or the other and you do i know (laughs) (laughs) if i gotta go one or the other i'm going with the guardians i am because i feel i was put down on record as that as that too didn't i or or was i just so you you only had st louis you were going off about st louis and and then beer snake you know what what okay I went a little off tangent on that, and I apologize. Actually, I'm not, I'm not piggybacking, but I was going to probably go with New York on that, and I think if you listen to my conversation on it, the fact that they have one more home game makes a difference. True. So right now, this I believe this season, the home team is 14-6. and six. Something That's like a more that. than yeah. 67% winning percentage. And on east-west travel, obviously, that yeah. is a east-west major yeah, – That's a big thing. Anything that else you wanted to you add, Troy? Um, no, that was pretty much it. Uh, I think that they do end up sticking with Perez because of the success mm-hmm. that he's yeah. had so far, and that can, the running game continues to get be- to improve and get better the way it has been. Because, like we said, at, with time builds chemistry with this offensive line is looking better. They're gonna get those two giant receivers back in, in Gentry, and uh, I think that they'll be able to pull it out. You want to get a little uh, controversial? I might pay for this later on. New York wins the East. Ooh. New York wins the East. Okay. I think New York wins the East because the thing with St. Louis, and, and they are, I still think, the most complete team in this league right now, they're good at everything. They're not great at everything. Mm. And when you look at you talk about that Guardians defense, what's their big specialty is that front seven. That front seven, yep. And Ta'amu, he does have a very good arm. He's proven that. It's not his best quality. His best quality is hitting more of the short to medium routes and then being able to run off of that. Yeah. He's not so much going downfield. That's where this New York team thrives. And you've seen, and you you semi-mentioned it, Scott, earlier on, the vibe now mm-hmm. that Luis Perez has taken over, it's a complete 180 from when they had McGloin in the first two weeks. Now, whether that's McGloin's play, whether that's his attitude, that's up for debate. But Perez has gotten in there he's done exactly what he did in the AAF he put his head down and it's working again it's not spectacular numbers it's not spectacular by any means I, I, th- I think he's closer to Te'amu than he is to Josh Johnson or uh, PJ Walker but they found a rhythm they found an identity again and the running game they finally they've got a good mix there they've got two or three running backs they can hand the ball to that are all making big plays I think New York wins this division with St. Louis finishing second Okay. I don't think D.C. has enough, as you said, consistency where they can go on a run and win two or three games in a row 
down this last stretch, especially on the road. So, so if we see if we're if we're called out in Washington D.C. at the game on, uh, <laughs> on Sunday, <laughs> uh, we'll know why. I mean, I will say this: it's been this is because none of the three of us, none of us have, have given uh, D.C. any love. Here. No, no, not at all, not, not, at all. not whatsoever. In fact, we've all got the exact same four teams making the postseason. We're very, very boring, and we apologize. But I'm sure Emory, if he was here, and Alex, if you were here. Probably would have said probably the same thing. Yeah, based so on the we, hunch. We have the same four making it. I know that me and Scott have. You uh, guys are the same across the board. I think oh, we're, we're, we? we're boring as crap that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I'm the only one who went uh, a little AWOL and went New York number one. But you know. But I think I I'll think, just be called a homer and just go from there. I also think that these, <laughs> this opinion is pretty uniform in general. And it's think, premature. Think what was that? Yeah, and it's premature. Premature. Yeah. But I think for a lot of people that are trying to come up with this right now. They're probably it's thinking, hard to argue. Exactly, you know. I mean, you might move some, you know, basically some pieces around. You know, St. Louis versus New York, New York versus maybe uh, Washington. But I think in the end, most people could look at the, you know the four teams and like, yeah, I can buy that. And what's fun though about this league though, one major event happens and the whole landscape changes. Mm-hmm. If PJ Walker goes down, <laughs> let's hope not. We hope that he has a full season because I think he is an MVP guy and an NFL caliber quarterback. But say something happens there or to Cam Phillips. Everything switches mm-hmm. up. All of a sudden, Houston might lose two or three in a row. And, I mean, Dallas, Lord knows what's going on there. If they go to Dungy, that might change everything. Yeah. You don't know. So that's the nice thing about this league and how it, it's still so very close together. Nothing's a given right now with five weeks to go. And that's lovely, honestly. It's, <laughs> it's awesome that this is actually the case. Whereas in the NFL, week one, well, the Pats are in. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's going to be making it out of the Green Bay should probably be making it in. And, you know. Yeah. By the way, what, who was the, what was the last time a New York team won in Dallas for a football game? It's been a little bit, hasn't it? When's the last time a New York football team has made the playoffs? <laughs> when was the last time a New York football team won in Dallas? 2016. <laughs> there we go. You know, it's funny. Just go off topic real quick. In New York, in New York, we have the Giants, the Jets, the Knicks, and the Nets. In LA, you know, they got the Rams. Pretty, you know, Super Bowl. You know, runner-up. The Rams who are now impersonating the Chargers. Exactly. Yeah, the Chargers, that logo. But also, yeah, oh god, that thing. You know, and then also the Lakers and Clippers. Yeah. It is way better to be an LA sports fan right now than a New York sports fan. <laughs> the Guardians are one bit of That's hope. Th- basically, yeah. I mean, Spike <laughs> Lee is no longer going to Knicks games. Speak for yourself. I'd rather die, baby. I love my team. Sp- Spike Lee no longer going to <laughs> Spike yeah. Lee shows up at in first row of MetLife Stadium next week. How funny would that or, be, by the way? Or could you imagine him going to the Nets? Is that a spite? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no. That, uh, that would be great. Oh, that no. That would be great. Anyway, the NBA podcast will be sometime Sorry later in the future. That, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But you're, no, it, it, the one thing bringing people together is New York Guardians football and LA Wildcats football in a way. Because mm. you even have two soccer teams out there now. So mm. LA Galaxy and LAFC. But let's get into week there, number there six. There you go with your soccer reference, man. Hey, like soccer. I am, I am getting oh, a chance goodness. to because speak up for one of my favorite sports. You and I are suffering Devils fans. We can't even go there. So <laughs> we can't even talk. Nobody cares about hockey anyway. Exactly. But uh, Americans don't care about sports. Typically, they don't invent. Fair point. You know, soccer being possible exception there. Fair point. Uh, Let's get into week six, six, though, and let's start with the game that we will be at, and we're all looking forward to this game. I think everybody's looking forward. The most watched game of the week, I think, is the first one on the board, Mm -hmm. Houston at New York. Say what you want about Houston. They're 5-0. The last couple of weeks, they've looked vulnerable. They've had some very close contests where they've been able to pull out the game at the end, and that's good fortitude by them. But this New York team's defense is outstanding. They're a different level from the rest of this league for the most part. Their offense is starting to click. 
Could we possibly, yes. maybe, see an upset in this ballgame? Yes. Scott, yeah. Scott's a... Did you just lose me here? Scott's a... Scott's a, uh, a what now? What I've, you? I've been waiting like all show for this, for this exact <laughs> moment. Yes, I believe they can win. Really? Yes. Um, okay. I've been, like I said, I've, even some, you know, from this morning, I've been looking forward to this podcast all week and specifically to talk about this game because I think there's enough there that the Guardians can pull out a magic win on this. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I'll go on record on that for hell or high water, whatever it's going to be. Strong defense versus strong offense. I'm not going to argue that one at all. Strength versus strength for sure. Yeah, strength versus strength. But, again, statistically speaking, <laughs> I was going to say Troy. I thought he was going to disagree. No, no, no. Uh, no, no, no he's, he's, he's winding up. Yeah. He's winding up for a point. Statistically, like I said, you know, it's 70% win percentage at home. Yeah. It's, I think it's one of those things that the pieces fell where they needed to. Yeah. Houston is having to play from behind a lot more. You know, they, they've had they, they made mistakes early on, had to scramble, come back up last two, last two weeks to win. New York is on the rise, and we've already, you know, established that part of it. I think the combination of those three things – will be enough that, yes, New York can pull off this win. And, boy, would that be a hell of a win. That would, that would be massive. Troy, what are you going to be watching for in this game? It would be a hell of a win. Um, it's can they win any given Sunday? Or, or in this case, <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> nice reference. Can they win? Yes. I mean, like you said, stout defense going against a stout offense. Uh, defense, you hear defense wins championships. I could throw a million and two cliches at you right now. But uh, the fact of the matter is, it all is going to depend on this Guardians offense. Because like we've said time and time again, this Houston Roughnecks defense isn't anything special. They let up points. Mm -hmm. But it's opportunistic. Yeah, they let up a lot of points. They have 14 touchdowns against. That's tied for second in the league, second highest in the league right now. But the Guardians only have eight touchdowns for. And that's the lowest. Last, But did put up 30 points last week. They did. Yeah, they did. But like some help from the defense as well. Yeah, true, true. I'm not gonna yeah. argue that. But so I mean, that, the, that's gonna be the matchup to watch is that this Guardians offense versus the Wildcats defense because that's what we've been saying is the case. This Wildcat team can be beat if you can score enough and just stop them that one or two extra drives. In your opinion, what do you think the over under is on points between the two teams? Like on the books right now, or, or just in your own opinion? Over under. Let me see. So, because uh, there's a potentiality for a shootout here too. There, there is, there is. Let me see. So give them like twenty eight. The math is going on in the head. <laughs> this is the meme, folks. The calculations are flying around. Probably like fifty-five. Like, like, okay, fifty-five. It's like that scene from A Hangover with <laughs> Zach Galifianakis is in the casino. In the casino. <laughs> I, 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 I give it like fifty-five okay. because the the. Um, Roughnecks, I think their lowest point scored so far this season is like 28. Yeah, something I like I want to say. Yeah. And then the Guardians haven't really scored that many points True. In, in, in each of their games. I think this weekend was the most that they scored. Um, I think this weekend was the most that they scored. But if they're going to be in this one, they're going to have to. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to put up points. So yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll set it at 55. Okay. My, my one bold prediction in this game, first overtime game. That'd be nice. I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting on that, aren't we? I want yeah. to see an overtime game. I think yeah. I think that comes down to the wire. Let's Almost get had one with uh, Tampa. We splurged too much, and let's talk about the Tampa game. This next one, Tampa Bay hosting St. Louis. Now again, St. Louis showing a few cracks in the armor the last couple of weeks. Not exactly finishing off the way they want to. But speaking of not being able to finish off the game strong and get the win, Tampa Bay. <laughs> let's talk about. I mean, this is this was a hard one to predict for me. I I, I think this is going to go either direction. 
I think it can as well. One thing I will tell you is to take the under in this game because you have Tampa Bay here who they run a two running back set. Just Both of them are juggernauts. We mentioned earlier Smith, who can arguably be the offensive player of the year. But they're going to be eating up a lot of clock. And Tampa Bay um, – and Tampa Bay. And uh, the Battle Hawks here, their, their running game is their number one game. So they're going to be eating up clock too. So it's like who's going to own time of possession. Yeah. But it's not only owning time of possession. You're going to have to make sure that you score the times that you do have the ball because there's not going to be a lot of possessions in this game. I think in my case, I, I would have to go with St. Louis on this. I think okay. that last win – oh, I'm sorry, that last loss last week, it was a bitter pill to swallow. I think it was a really tough loss, and typically teams that seem to come out of the gate, you know, come out a little bit stronger after a tough loss like that. Yeah. You know, they know what's on the line. We've already established, you know, three of the four teams are tied for the three and two record here. Um, I think uh, this is going to be like my one, I think, road, meh, one of the road wins I think it's going to happen this week. Okay. I'm going to throw my flyer out there and say that the Vipers take this one. All right. Interesting. And if the t- Vipers do win this one, all of a sudden, it gets real interesting. It does. Yeah, it gets it real does. interesting. Let's we're going to be following the game while at the other one's like, St. Louis just scored. <laughs> Perfect. Let's go to the next one here. Dallas taking on D.C. Obviously, the Renegades are kind of in a bit of a turmoil right now. They're on the road, though, where they're undefeated, taking on a D.C. team who's also undefeated at home. But you also mentioned this is their fourth out of five home games for D.C. This is one of their last few. How big is it them to keep up this momentum and go to 4-0 at home? They better. You know, I think they will win this one. Yeah. You know, I think you know they're just they're just a better team at home. You know, again, I, I, I equate it to the twelfth man in Seattle. Yeah. And I think there's a team right now. Dallas is in a little bit of a flux. They can't really quite figure out what they're doing. But I think DC pulls this one out, and I think it's going to be a, a win that's. A, I think at the end of it, you're going to have four different teams that are four and two at the end of this week. I agree. I'm sorry, three different teams that are four and two. Sorry. I agree. I think DC pulls this one out as well. Going back home, they have to get dubs, especially with these other, with the Guardians and the Battlehawks right there, same record as them. They're going to have to keep up with this Dallas team who is seemingly struggling right now. It doesn't matter that they're undefeated on the road going into DC where you're undefeated as the home team. I think DC has to pull this one out. And regardless of who the quarterback is, I think that they do. Going to be a fun one to watch for sure. This last one, an all-West Coast matchup. Maybe this is the one that should have been at 9 o'clock. <laughs> uh, L.A. at Seattle. Again, Seattle's made looked better since making the quarterback change to B.J. Daniels. Still, though, not doing enough on the defensive side of the ball like they were in the first couple of weeks of the season. L.A., on the other hand, really starting to look like they're an explosive force, and it really has turned into the wild, wild West. Uh, 18 touchdowns that they've scored this season. You think L.A. continues this momentum? I think that this is going to be this should be the game of the week because this this is going to shape up how the West is going to look for the next few weeks. You yep. know, I mean, with the Dragons at one and four, we talked earlier about whether these one and four teams are out of it, and I said that I think that the Seattle isn't yet out of it. If they pull off this dub against LA, they're right back in the mix for that number two seed because they'll have the same record depending on what Dallas does. Um, they might be earlier on in the week, huh? They might, yeah, they might they might have a three way tie they, for second. Exactly, they they might have a three way tie the second with the tiebreaker over over at least one of those teams yeah so this can be huge for bj daniel and the dragons if they can pull this one out i don't think they will i'll go with la in this one because we know how hot fire josh johnson and that Mm -hmm. those wildcats offense is right now but i I, we'll see what daniels can do i'm not i'm not going to say they they have no shot in this one 
LA also looking for their first win on the road, though. That's going to be something to watch as well. Scott? I'm pretty much in the same boat here. I think LA right now is riding a lot of momentum on this. Uh, big win last week. And, yeah, I would probably go with it on that particular case. Again, I mean, this is the unusual case where there's going to, we're going to have two road teams that actually take it this time, in my opinion. Okay. But, uh, no, I mean, right now LA is riding high after that last win. I just don't see Seattle pulling this one out. I don't. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those weekends where, as you said, we're at the halfway mark. This will be a defining week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This will be a defining week. We, pretty much all of the turmoil in terms of coaching and quarterback positions has kind of died down for the most part. Now you've had B.J. Daniels in charge of Seattle for a couple of weeks. Really, the only team that's got a question mark is Dallas. Looks like Tampa Bay settled on Cornelius being their guy with the heavy run attack. Perez seems to be the guy in New York. You got five weeks to win it. That's the question mark, and we're going to certainly keep an eye on that. And so should you fans keep an eye on all of these games. For those of you who are looking to watch these games, Houston, New York, 2 o'clock on Saturday on ABC. Seattle, Tampa Bay on Saturday at 5 o'clock on Fox Sports 2. Uh, So check your listings on that one. Sunday's games, Dallas, D.C., 4 o'clock on FS1. L.A., Seattle, ESPN 2 at 7 for those games. And if you want to see more of us, how would you do that? You would have to go and check your local <laughs> listings and find the Game Plus Network, and you can f- see us there both Thursday and Friday uh, where we have the football game plan XFL game day show on Friday. We also have the NFL scout team show. We're getting you prepared for the 2020 NFL draft. We actually went into very deep detail into wide receivers this week, so if you want to catch up on that, yes, there are four wide receiver positions. You will see that. Why? And don't forget to pick up your draft guide while you're on footballgameplan.com. 16 different cable packages, too. 16 different cable packages mm-hmm. with the football play, uh, game plan player guide. It's over 700 pages, 650-plus players with their own individual mm-hmm. rankings. So pick that up. It, 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 the more you look into the future, you look back at five years ago, Emery kind of knows what he's doing with, with this whole football thing. I, 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 it's not just a passing, you know, hobby. Yeah, you, you could say that. I mean, I think it's. I think he's decent at, at predicting these things. But I'll tell you this: if you are doing a fantasy draft, a dynasty league, even, and you want to look at some sleepers at who you should be drafting, some of these rookie guys, take a look at the draft guide. Trust me. And don't be scared off if it says, "Ooh, FCS." Division two? <laughs> Does the name Cooper Cups mean anything to you guys in the fantasy leagues? How about Tariq Cohen? Tariq Cohen, I, I think, is a, a pretty decent football player. And How about Carson Wentz? Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know, just <laughs> let's, let's, let's Tony <laughs> Romo if you want to go and further. On. And on. Don't be scared of the small school guys. They can play this game, too. Anyway, folks, that will do it here, though, for the podcast. Uh, shout out to Alex and Emery, who are out busy doing other things, uh, continuously working for us here at Football Game Plan. But... For Scott Churchton, Troy Anthony, and myself, David Hassan, and thanks for listening in and enjoy the second half of the XFL season. <laughs>